Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and today is Monday, April 5th, 2021. So I want you to know how much I am living on the edge here. Um, I am recording this podcast in my house and about 20 feet behind me is my new dog, Coco, who I have had a month today. I say dog, he is a puppy. He's about four and a half months old and he is in his crate because I thought he was going to go to sleep on his dog bed and he did not. So he's in his crate. And I am hoping that the sound of my voice will lull him to sleep and I won't have to move to another room or stop this recording and restart it and then have my podcast editor splice together a bunch of attempts. I really want to just do this uh, as I normally do these, which is just basically, you know, kind of talking, sharing with you as it is, having, having a conversation. So I think from the audio production standpoint, this is probably the riskiest thing to do to record a podcast episode while you have a puppy uh, behind you in a crate. Um, but Coco's been doing really well and he's really getting uh, quite used to his crate, uh, which he's not in all that much. Um, however, he does need to get comfortable with it because there are times that I'm not home and Ben's not home. Uh, so it's just part of the training process. For those of you who have dogs, you know, it can be somewhat painful to go through the process. Um, Coco has been doing really well though. So anyway, that's just a little note about what's happening right now as I record this. So, um, second thing, I hope you had a really good weekend. As I always say, when I record these, I record them on Monday. I really, really like to stick to, uh, to doing that. And, you know, really, even on a day like today, not only the Coco scenario that I'm managing, uh, the other scenario is for the past week, um, the local utility company has been doing construction in front of my house. And so I couldn't begin recording this episode until right now. It's almost five o'clock. And I usually start these episodes. Um, I usually record them first thing in the morning. <clears throat> and you know, I just want to speak a little bit to, 
you know, just the idea, you know, for me personally right now, uh, recording a podcast episode late in the day is not when my energy is fantastic for recording episodes. And I like to be high energy to do them. Um, however, it was really important to me to stick with the schedule. And as I said, my schedule is to record them on Mondays. And I want to just kind of kind of speak to that a little bit. And, and, and it's not to make it about me. It's really to make it more about the theme of doing what you say you're going to do. And that really can run the gamut from if you go to bed at night and you say to yourself, I'm going to go for a run in the morning. It could be something like that or meditate or practice yoga. <clears throat> if you uh, promise a friend, you're going to help them with something, you show up, you do it. You know, I think more importantly, though, for, for most of you who I think are yoga teachers, if you say you're going to read that book on yoga anatomy or sign up for that course uh, so that you can learn anatomy so you can, you know, use, use that knowledge to share skills in the areas of cueing and sequencing and answering student questions, that you do it. And, you know, the reason is, I, I think on some subconscious level, I mean, we all know what it's like when we say to ourselves, we're going to do something and then we don't. And even if it's something that we haven't shared with anybody else, we know that feeling of letting ourselves down. And I think for a lot of yoga teachers, when it comes to things like learning more about anatomy, that is such a broad idea. And it can be really, really overwhelming to break that down into understandable parts. And so it's kind of easy to let yourself off the hook. But then what happens over time is that you, you keep running into the obstacles that are in your way because you don't understand anatomy. And so you're, you know, on a regular basis, kind of faced with the result of not doing what you said you wanted to do. So I think I wanted to just speak to that. I mean, it really is like building a muscle, the muscle of, you know, whatever you want to call it, developing a habit, living in integrity, keeping the word that you make to yourself, whatever term you want to call it, it really takes practice. And I think the most important thing is to have compassion for yourself and to, you know, really, you know, be compassionate if you find that you do not um, keep your word to yourself and always look at the next day as an opportunity to do it. So what I want you to do uh, after listening to this episode is to <clears throat> go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com. And right in the center of the homepage, you'll see the link for um, 10 key steps to learning anatomy. And you can download that. And that way, you know, as you're listening right now, it'll just give you an opportunity just to kind of, you know, relax and listen and just absorb. So, you know, I also want to say that I created this, um, this approach because many times teachers would come to me and they'd say, you know, I, I just am not able to invest in your program right now, but I really do want to learn anatomy. And so what I attempted to do is create a process that anyone could use that would cover the um, the different aspects of how you would approach um, breaking down this subject so that you could 
sort of create your own learning plan. Now, you know, I'll tell you that will will only get you so far because think about anything that you tried to learn. It's really hard to learn it by yourself. I'll just share a, a personal story that uh, is relevant to me because it just happened to me today. I have um, been wanting to learn a particular skill for a while and I've been kind of trying to learn it on my own and it has to do with a business skill. And I know that there are programs out there that I could invest in, but I was just really thinking that I could figure it out on my own. And so I got myself kind of so far and I just wasn't seeing the results that I wanted. And even though this is in the business domain, this is exactly the scenario that many yoga teachers are in. They're trying to get results studying anatomy on their own, and they're just not seeing the kind of results that they want. And so over the weekend, as I was analyzing the end of the first quarter for my business, I noticed that this particular lack of skill, I really believe is having an impact on my business. And so ironically, in conjunction with that, I got a Facebook ad shown in my feed by a business consultant that teaches this particular skill. And once I looked at the ad, I opted into this um, business coaches webinar, which is a recorded webinar. I watched it and I basically, as soon as I watched the webinar, I signed up for this program and invested in this program, which ironically, um, the price point of this business coaches program is very similar to the price point of my program, which is just a little bit under a thousand dollars. And rather than do it in a payment plan, I just paid for it outright. And I feel great. I feel a little bit stretched. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I think time-wise, carving out time to do this is going to be a little bit challenging. However, I'm so excited to having taken the step to invest in my learning. And really what it means to me is I'm investing in myself. I am, by making that dollar investment, I am illustrating to myself that I really believe that I can move my business where I want it to go. And I feel great. And so I really want that same feeling for you because that kind of feeling is what can motivate you in ways that intellectually you don't think is possible. So even like right now, as I'm sitting here thinking, how am I going to fit in time to do this program? Already today, I've knocked out the entire first module and that included doing a number of business steps, which I did. So I just throw that out there because I, I can relate to how some of you are probably feeling. And I've had those same experiences myself. And today I'm really feeling super positive about having made an investment in myself in this program. And you can just parallel that whole experience to maybe where you're at right now, thinking about investing in my program, the Blueprint Learning Program. So anyway, so as far as the 10 key steps, let's just kind of start with step number one. And I'll go through what each step is. Of course, know that you can download the PDF that goes along with this episode right from my website. So first step, one of the most common challenges around learning anatomy comes from the fact that it is such a broad subject. And a good place to start 
is to figure out what's your why. Why do you want to learn it in the first place? Now, why this? while this may seem really obvious, it's going to help you narrow the scope down to applying anatomy to yoga. And this is really important because I know there are teachers out there who are buying books that have to do with really minutia type detail about anatomy. And once you start going down those rabbit holes, it makes it really harder, much harder for you to learn the essential things you need to know so that you can start having those skills that you wanna have as a teacher. So the first thing is really, you know, this, this getting down to basics identifying your why. And I'll give you an example here. One good example is the student that comes in with an injury or they need to modify a particular pose. Having an overall understanding of anatomy is going to help you as a teacher provide them with helpful information so that they can practice safely. So that's one why. So just take a few moments, you know, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe when you download this PDF and just think about what's your why for why you want to understand anatomy. So step number two is focusing on applying anatomy to yoga. So this gets down to this idea that we're learning anatomy to apply it to yoga, not to try to treat people, to try to diagnose them, to try to make suggestions to them about pain medications they could take or physicians they could see, any of that. Any of that. We are really learning to um, be able to uh, professionally coach people through the movement practice we know as yoga. So one example of this, one of the fundamental principles in anatomy, regardless of profession, is that of anatomical position. Everyone from medical students to yoga teachers needs to understand this is, this is described as the home base of postural shapes. In this position, we stand with our feet at hip width distance, with our hips level, with our palms facing forward, our head centered over the body. Now, as teachers, we can assess basic posture in our students from anatomical position, but we can also call back to it as we teach and we can pull from it key qualities that we'd wanna see in other poses too. So one example of that, a really relevant example, is when we look at anatomical position, we notice the head is centered over the body, the head is centered over the shoulders. And then we put people in these different shapes and we notice that they might have head drop or we notice their head might be tilted to the side uh, away from that centered position. So this is an application of the concepts of an anatomical position applied to yoga versus how someone in another profession like a PT or an OT might be using the concept of anatomical position. It doesn't mean that we don't need to learn it. It just means how we're going to use it is going to be customized to our role as yoga teachers. So step two, focus on applying anatomy to yoga. So step three is to look at the key parts of the body, not every part. This is such a huge one. I'll just kind of share a little story on this one. I can recall someone enrolled in my course and I was touching base with them to see how they were doing. And they told me they had bought a book on uh, hip musculature and they had put uh, going through my course on hold while they went through that book. And what I said to the, to the teacher was, you know, absolutely do that. Just know that you're diving into hip anatomy 
before you have the basics down. And that will make your journey so much longer and probably way more confusing. You know, in fact, that's one of the things that I find so challenging about trying to work with teachers who are in trainings where they're using all these different books that are splicing and dicing anatomy up in lots of different ways. It makes it so much harder to learn because depending on the book you're looking at, they've taken the broad subject of anatomy and they've divided it up their own way. Or maybe they're just presenting poses and looking at muscles in the context of poses, or maybe they're just presenting muscles. You know, without the basic building blocks first, it can be really hard and frustrating and take much longer to learn anatomy. So one of the first things that you need to do, even though I'm saying first thing, this is step three, is to look at the key parts of the body, not every part. So, you know, one example of that is you'll need to learn major bones of the body uh, to start, uh, but you won't need to break down all, all the bones in the hand and the feet, in the hand and the foot right out of the gate. Is that something that you might want to dive into if you have a, a student who has a foot injury or a hand injury, of course. I'm just saying in that kind of first run through of your deep dive into anatomy, studying muscles uh, and bones in the hand and the foot, in my opinion, is not necessary. So step three is look at the key parts of the body, not every part. So let's move on to step four. Step four is looking at muscles in poses. So once you've built a good understanding of the key parts of the body, including the major muscles, you're now ready to review muscles as they work in poses. I just want to. So first, you'll need to understand a little bit about how muscles work and how muscles can play different roles. Sometimes muscles create an action where they're acting as the doer or the agonist, and sometimes they resist the action or moderate the rate of action that the agonist can take. Kind of the classic um, example of this is the biceps and the triceps. As you use your biceps, your triceps is allowing your biceps to create that contraction. So getting that information down is, is first. This is the framework for a list of things you can note about each pose. And then from there, you can start to build the basis for anatomically based cues that you will share. So I'll give you an example. In warrior one, you're using your psoas to flex the hip on the bent knee side, and you're using the gluteus maximus to extend the hip on the straight leg side. So that's one example of being able to look at a posture, being able to identify the muscles that are concentrically acting as the agonist to create the actions of the pose, the joint actions. So that's step four, look at the muscles in poses. So again, just remember the whole overarching theme of this episode is to give you a way to break down the subject of anatomy into its parts if you're gonna go out there and learn it on your own. Step five is look for specific ways you can share anatomy with your students. So think about this, just as you don't enjoy the feeling of overwhelm that comes with learning anatomy, students won't appreciate being overwhelmed by tons of anatomy infused cues. Using anatomy in your teaching should be done to help people understand the actions to take on the mat to create 
a steady posture. It can also be used to teach them something about the body, like what muscle might be helpful to intentionally contract to stabilize the pose. So I'll give you an example here. One way to weave an anatomy lesson into your teaching is to cue to an abdominal muscle called the rectus abdominis. It's the abdominal muscle that can help level the pelvis and lunges. So if you find that students are dropping the front edge of their pelvis, which is called an anterior tilt, in poses like warrior one and crescent lunge, cue them to draw the belly button in, which is a common yoga cue already, and then add that this contracts the rectus abdominis, a muscle that runs up the middle of the body. Add a little more detail about how it will keep the pelvis level and keep the lower back from caving in, which is otherwise known as a lordosis. So that's one example of a way that you can share anatomy with your students you're not overwhelming them. You're giving them something really relevant to the pose they're in. You're sharing probably a little more than most yoga teachers do about the anatomy. And in many cases, those students will never forget that pose and that muscle's action in that pose ever again, because you're really connecting what they're doing with the information you're sharing. So that's step five, look for specific ways you can share anatomy with your students. So we're on to step six, help your students with your newfound anatomy knowledge. So a great reason to learn anatomy is that you can help your students by identifying alignment issues that are considered red flags. And I've certainly talked about this in other episodes I've done prior to today. A red flag is something you'd want to encourage somebody to do a little differently to prevent possible injury, especially if they do the same thing over and over and over again, or really just to help them get more steady and stable in the pose. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, I just wanna make this point, that they're gonna get injured right at that moment. But as I said, over time, doing poses incorrectly can create muscle imbalances that can lead to injury. And it's often these issues that students brush off upon hearing the correction, which is why it's so important that you share the reason why. I mean, think about when you were a kid and your mom said, don't do that. You probably resisted, but if they shared the why, sometimes that made it a little easier for you to be compliant. So something like saying, don't let your knee go past your heel in a lunge without an explanation as to why is not nearly as effective as including that why statement in there. In this way, you're helping your students link your cue and any corrective action you suggest with the rationale for it. So I talked about this, I think it was just the very last episode uh, I did. So you can go back and listen to that if you want some more kind of details on different alignment cues and the anatomical why behind them. I'm going to give you an example here. Um, and this relates back to the example I went over in the episode prior. So in this example, I just referred to keeping the knee in line with the heel decreases strain on the knee. As we let the knee slide past the heel due to the foreheads of the quadriceps all inserting on the patellar tendon on the kneecap itself, the pull of those four muscles against the kneecap can increase the more the knee moves forward. And over the long term, this can possibly damage the knee, the knee capsule, the kneecap, 
And it's just really important for those ligaments and tendons that support the knee that the knee tracking is really good, that the kneecap is centered versus kind of listing off to the right or to the left. So that is step six, which is help your students with your newfound anatomy knowledge. So step seven is identify other key ways you can share your anatomy knowledge. That's kind of related. So another way you can assist your students with your anatomy knowledge is to offer them modifications for poses if they're injured. They may mention an injury to you before class, or you may notice as they're practicing, they look uncomfortable in, in a particular pose. I had a teacher recently email me uh, that they noticed in an online class that the same student looked really uncomfortable laying on their back. And so for certain poses that they wanted to include in their sequencing for the group, things like bridge and even Shavasana, they were looking for alternatives there. So just, you know, you're just keeping your eyes open for kind of how students look and maybe the look on their faces. Maybe that's a great opportunity to open conversation with them after class, or if it's an online class, follow up with them via email and just say, hey, I noticed, you know, you looked maybe a little uncomfortable, or is there anything going on that, um, you know, in this particular posture you want to share with me, maybe I can give you an alternative to it, something along those lines. So I'll give you an example here too. For students that complain about wrist pain and downward dog, the first thing to check is if they can withstand any pressure on their hands. Can they be weight bearing on their hands? If they can, teach them how to use their lower body musculature more to decrease pressure on the wrist. And this is a really good example of using this concept of the kinetic chain to um, have an impact on modifications or have an impact on maybe even the way the student approaches a particular pose. So in this case, we're talking about downward dog. Someone complains of wrist pain. Most teachers, if not all, are going to be focused on the wrists and looking for ways to use props or change hand positioning. However, what I'm suggesting is that you actually look at the kinetic chain effect, meaning everything from the wrists downward, meaning towards the feet, and look at things along the way that can have an impact on the wrists themselves. Meaning if you can get that person using their core and their legs more, that is going to decrease the load on the wrists. So helping them, number one, understand that. And number two, giving them actionable ways that they can engage their core as well as engage their legs, the muscles in their legs to literally pull the load away from the wrists into those bigger parts of the body. So a, a way you can do this is you could have somebody in down dog squeeze a block between their thighs. You could have somebody also engage Uddiyana Bandha, pull the belly button in. Once they engage those two sets of muscles, they should feel um, that there's less pressure on the wrist. And oftentimes the demonstration of that with them, the impact is immediate and they will immediately say, oh my God, I feel so much lighter in my hands. That's fantastic. So it's really a very um, powerful uh, modification you can offer them. And it helps them to see, you can even use this in something like plank and low plank. It helps them to see how a lot of the poses where they're weight bearing on the arms, where most people are obviously putting 
the arms in the front of the train, so to speak, in terms of work effort, if we share that work effort through the body, it really creates a steadier and more comfortable posture. So that's step seven, identify other ways you can share your anatomy knowledge. So step eight is leverage your anatomy knowledge to build sequences with anatomy themes. So as a newer teacher, I always say it's important to have one standard sequence you offer all the time so you can build effective cues and build your confidence. In this way, you can be available to manage all the other things that are going to inevitably come up as you teach. Now, as you gain more experience and learn anatomy, you can start to build anatomically based sequences that focus on a particular part of the body or anatomical action, like maybe external rotation of the hips. Now, remember, the time to do this is after you've completed all the above steps. Many teachers try to build complex sequences before they have a good handle on anatomy, and this can be really confusing for students. If you're in a learning phase when it comes to anatomy, stick with a basic sequence and invest time in training so you can learn the anatomy first. And I also say stick with action cues, which can be incredibly effective in um, taking students through class while you behind the scenes are learning anatomy. So one theme you can bring into your classes is a balancing theme. When we stand on one leg, the lateral hip stabilizers have to activate or we have to activate them to help us balance and to help our pelvis stay level. Focusing on balancing poses gives us a chance to teach our students about these muscles, including muscles like the gluteus medius, the tensor fascia lata, and the IT band. So that's step eight out of 10, leverage your anatomy knowledge to build sequences with anatomy themes. So we've got two more. So step nine, provide clear cues that teach your students something about the anatomy of the pose. So learning anatomy following these steps will help you increase your impact as a teacher. One of the ways you're gonna do this is by providing cues that are specific and understandable. The library of cues that are in the yoga industries are yoga industry are oftentimes vague or esoteric. They require a deep knowledge of the body to understand. There's also the challenge of teachers who are merely repeating cues they were taught and don't understand the why behind the cue. Once you learn anatomy in the process as described here on this podcast episode and in the PDF that you're going to download after you listen, you're going to be able to provide clear cues that students are going to understand as soon as they hear them. So I'm going to give you an example here. One of the common cues that teachers often use is to drop the shoulder blades when students are in warrior one. One of the important actions to understand are the movements of the scapula, the movements the scapula make, which are described differently than the movements that the shoulder makes. When the shoulders are in flexion, as in warrior one, the scapula upwardly rotates so the humerus can clear the acromion of the scapula. Now, if this is all kind of gobbledygook to you, that's okay. Just know that this is a piece of understanding shoulder anatomy. Now, it's really important that we don't, as yoga teachers, give cues that run contrary to this natural movement of the shoulder. And so when we say to somebody, drop your shoulder blades in warrior one, we're essentially encouraging them to work against the natural rhythm of the shoulder and essentially move the shoulder out of joint, <clears throat> move the humerus 
out of the glenoid fossa of the scapula. That is the result of asking people to drop their shoulder blades. So getting to the point where you recognize that as an incorrect cue is 100% dependent on your study of anatomy. And when you have that anatomical knowledge down, you're not going to provide cues that are misleading or I, I really don't want to say incorrect, misleading or could potentially um, you know, feel inconsistent with, in this case, just the natural movement of the shoulder. So step nine is providing clear cues that teach your students something about the anatomy of the pose. So here we are at the last step, step 10, apply your anatomy knowledge to specific self-care and uh, to a specific self-care and teaching technique called MFR, AKA, otherwise known as myofascial release. So a key part of the body that I talked about in step three is understanding the key parts of the body. And one of those key parts is fascia. Fascia is the connective tissue under the skin that runs throughout the body. It responds to pressure applied to it through massage, as well as with foam rollers and massage balls, otherwise known as MFR tools. Using these tools is part of a self-care practice called MFR, myofascial release. Myo meaning muscle, fascial meaning fascia. Using these two tools is part of that practice. And this practice focuses on, without getting into too much detail, relaxing receptors and muscles that are overly excited and therefore creating increased tone and sometimes creating even what people commonly refer to as a trigger point. Learning about MFR, while not necessarily something you'll offer in class, is a helpful technique to learn as a teacher. It's often something you can suggest students do to address areas of injury and might even be something you weave into a workshop, let alone you weave it into your own self-care personal practice. So an example here, the exercise science industry has looked at the population in terms of muscles that are generally tight or those that are usually weak. They have found that the upper trapezius is generally a tight overactive muscle in many people. We see this in poses like warrior one where students are elevating their shoulder blades up towards their ears. Using a foam roller or an MFR ball on the upper trap can relax the muscle so the range of motion at the shoulder is better. So that's step 10, applying your anatomy knowledge to a specific self-care and teaching technique called myofascial release. So we've gone through the 10 steps. We now have, you know, this idea of steps to approach learning anatomy. If you're out there on your own, you know, you're not investing in a training program, you're not investing in an online training program, you're kind of in the do-it-yourself mode. This would be an approach that you could take so that you could kind of put a perimeter around this subject of anatomy and the topics underneath it that you could learn so that you'd come out of your self-study efforts with a reasonable amount of knowledge. Now, of course, as I said before, you know, one of the best, most effective ways to jumpstart all of this is to invest in a program. If you are interested in getting on the wait list for my program, which is called the Blueprint Learning Program, uh, go to my website. When you get the download for this episode, you'll also see the link to the uh, wait list for the Blueprint Learning Program, which is my program.
Now, I want to just wrap this episode up. I want to just mention a couple things. Number one, you know, my podcast here is at, uh, hosted on Podbean and I feed it over to iTunes in technical jargon. I think it's the RSS feed. Anyway, be that as it may, I'm noticing of late, I'm getting so many new podcast followers slash listeners via Podbean. And so I just want to give you a shout out. If you're out there and you're listening to my podcast using Podbean as your podcast app, I want to just say hi. I want to just say thank you so much for following. Every morning when I log into my podcast dashboard, I see the user IDs. They're not really names um, of the people who are listening via Podbean. And it's really that particular channel of listeners is really growing by leaps and bounds every day, every week. So I just want to say hello and thank you for subscribing. I also want to just give a shout out to any of you who have ever written a review on iTunes, listened or uh, and written a comment on the YouTube version, because I always post these on YouTube, even though it's audio on YouTube as well. Sometimes I do actually add video. I just want to give you a shout out as well, because any feedback I can get about the episodes, the podcast in general is helpful to me, you know, because I always kind of think of it as speaking into the void. So it's really, really great to get some feedback. And also it helps share the podcast. Let's face it. If you tell somebody about it, if you post a comment, if you write a good review, because you're finding the podcast valuable, that is only going to increase the chances that someone else is going to listen to it. I would like as many yoga teachers as possible to at least hear this information and then be able to decide for themselves if they think it is of value. So I just want to really thank you uh, if you are someone who has done that. And also keep in mind, it's not about, for me, not about vanity metrics. It's really more about getting in touch with you, the listener, and hearing from you. So if you're someone who doesn't really want to write a review or any of those kinds of things, you can just send me an email or comment on my Instagram, send me a DM or comment on the post that I have. Cause every week I post about the podcast episode that's been released just somehow getting some information back to me about what you thought questions you have any of that. I really, really appreciate it. And it helps me continue to make the podcast better. So here we are end of this episode. If you are still listening, I see you. I acknowledge you, especially when we talk about things like commitment. Um, I am a big proponent of listening to podcast episodes that I like all the way to the end. Uh, And I really feel a strong connection with some podcasters out there who I love. And if you're someone who really, really enjoys my podcast and you're still listening right now, I see you, even though I don't literally see you, but I want to just acknowledge you for, for still listening. And I really, really, really appreciate your time and attention. So thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being part of my podcast community. And if you have any suggestions about future episodes in terms of topics, please let me know. I've got a really cool guest coming up next week. I can't wait to um, share that with you. And I actually, the following week, have another really interesting guest. So we'll be transitioning from solo episodes that I do to guest episodes so soon. So have a good week and I'll see you on the next episode here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you 
If you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my mentorship program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.